I'm going to act like this is the first time I've seen you in a month. Okay. Oh, my God. Gabe? (laughs) It's been forever. That's good. That's good. That's going to be great. People are going to believe it. I'm going to I'm gonna drink some coffee first because I didn't finish my coffee. Do you need it? It's gonna be that kind of episode. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to get to where you're at. <laughs> I don't know where you're on. I take I... Adderall, so <laughs> explains it. I'm awake with science, like teen episode of energies. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, you good? I am good. Okay, I'm going to do it. You better be good. I'm Kat. And we're the Ghouls Next Door. door. Talking about spooky stuff. Again, we're back, baby. Oh my god, Gabe. It's been so long. I've missed you. Aw, I miss you too. What what long month of no new content. Single tear has fallen (laughs) in memory of the time lost. Yeah. It It was a nice little break. But now we're back, ready to do it. Uh, yeah. We already kicked off with a live episode maybe you watched or you listened to afterwards with a guest. And we're going to try to do that all the time. <laughs> so we'll have guests and then we'll have our facts and films and feelings. So we're still us. We're still doing yeah. what we do. Still true to our, our whole theme. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's just like doing more little- now. Yeah. More now. We're trying a new thing. We're like, uh, we're really late to the new year, new us. Uh, it is July. <laughs> but we're doing it because, you know, like Christmas in July, new year in July. That's what's we're trying something new. Yeah. We yeah. have been a cocoon of break and now we are emerging as beautiful ghoul butterflies. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, we are in our new series for July, which is called Our Good Ghouls Gone Bad. Which is us. That's what we do. Yeah, that's what uh, we do. <laughs> good Ghouls Gone Bad. We're talking about women who kick butt, take names, and all the stuff in between. Nice. So we're talking to, to women or uh, femme-presenting folks, and we are talking about films that have starring women uh preferably not you know just victims <laughs> preferably you know Ideally. in some way yes yeah. i'll say they're in in uh my hero academia uh i'm totally forgetting her name but the sound one with the ear like the ear headphone jack, ear jack. um yeah. i don't remember her name either because i'm on the spot but i know who you're talking about <laughs> uh there's like a scene where they were like he like called her something and she's like, but my name is this. And they're like, you're like a real like kick butt heroine or whatever. And she's like, but I'm a hero. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you are. And it was just like this hot, like offhanded comment. And I was like, yeah, you get it. I forget her name. I'm sad. Yeah. TikTok has decided they're gay. So like and queer in that way, like they're like, just let it rock. 
It's Does exciting. It? Yeah. I want everyone in my ear to be gay, though. So, yeah. You know who I am. Everything's <laughs> Yeah. The internet knows who we are. New me. Yeah. Which is why this is such a great film to talk about. We are um, kicking off the, like, analysis part of the series with Tag, which is a J-horror film that we had been wanting to cover for a while ever since we saw, like, the clip from it, which I'll explain in my section. That's super gory. It was, I mean, there's no way to actually come into it, like, with expectations and understanding, to say the least. Um, And I'll explain why I chose this film to be analyzed. And I think this will be an episode where Kat and I will have some disagreements. Yeah, it was doing a lot. That was like, I enjoyed it. I don't want to act like I didn't enjoy it. It was just like a lot. I was just like, why so much of blood? And I just think it's I am not as into gore as I previously thought I was. Uh, I don't know if I ever thought I was, but like, you know, I was just like, I was way like it got me and I had to cover my face. Like I, I like not, I don't usually get grossed out by even like ridiculous fake blood, which is what a lot of this was. Like it did look realistic a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but I was still like, I was like, no, it's too much. Stop. Yeah. It's, it definitely has that, like, Tarantino quality of, like, in Kill Bill when she, like, slices off Lucy Liu's head and she's, like, <laughs> like, fountain. Like, that's not how blood works. That's not yeah, how it works at all. Yeah, a lot of blood fountain. Yeah. So, and, yeah, a lot of absurdity. Like, it's very clear that it's it's a joke. Like, it's not supposed to be taken seriously for those parts. Like, that's a statement in and of itself, but there's other parts of it that should be taken seriously, and I appreciate yeah. it. Yes, for sure. No, it's saying a lot, too, which um, I think like I didn't realize it was hard for me to focus on just because so much was going on. Uh, But that's I feel like most of my life is I realize things retroactively and I'm like, wow, okay, cool. Let's unpack that. So that's what I'll do in my time. Yeah, I agree that like while it's happening, I was like, I know this is I know they're telling me something, (laughs) you know, it's like uh, (laughs) it's like a Nemo. He's like, he's like, he's trying to tell me something. I know it. Um, (laughs) It was like that. Like, I was like, I know that you're and it's like pretty heavy handed and I'll explain. Uh, But there was still times where I was like, I don't know what what you're doing here. Now you kind of lost me. And reading some of the articles or reading people's opinions of it, I was like, oh, okay, I can see how people felt that way or maybe that's how they interpreted it and we'll talk about how we interpret it and whether mm-hmm. or not it did a good job at being in our good ghoul gone bad series yeah let's dive in let's do it welcome back let's do it everyone to the film analysis part of our show that is still here it still exists <laughs> so we watch the film it. We watched Tag from 2015, as I mentioned, as J-Horror. It is directed by Sion, Sion Sono and written by Yusuke Yamada. And it is about a girl's life cascades into chaos as everyone around her suffers a gruesome fate while she becomes less certain of who she is in her once normal life. Uh, true. Um, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, it's just so much more than that that's happening I would say that the promotion and advertising for this film is wrong. It's just, like, it just isn't what it is saying it is. <laughs> like, there's, like, a tagline, or it's, like, tag. It's, like, if you're it, like, you're it, or something stupid. Um, it, it's not. I don't really, like, I don't know if I'd ever be able to explain what it is without, like, 
explaining everything because it's mm-hmm. it's a whole conceptual thing where you're trying to like figure out what's going on and the whole point of it is that you're lost like you're supposed to be confused yeah. and it has a reveal and then like you know we will enter spoiler territory and i'll let you know when we get into that i'm just going to kind of gloss over what's happening so this is an it's incredibly- very violent art <laughs> Yes, uh, it is an incredibly gratuitous film uh, in many aspects. So whether that's regarding the gore and violence towards women specifically, or the over-sexualization and fan service shots of women and girls in it, uh, Sona goes above and beyond to make the viewer uncomfortable in both of those aspects. Uh like, we chose Tag after seeing the opening scene uh, online and just, like, a video of, like, oh, craziest... I don't even know what it was. It was this, like, crazy horror scene. Uh, and I think it, like, gives Final Destination a run for its money. It's so absurd. Uh, and there's a little bit of Final Destination in this film. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, what happens is there. it features a bus full of young schoolgirls who are having fun and, ridiculously enough, are having a pillow fight on board because that's what schoolgirls do on a trip. And they all had pillows in the bus, which is again, you're not supposed to take any of this I remember the bus it's pillows, not real. but I believe you. They did. They were all playing it, uh, and the <laughs> uh, quiet and studious protagonist uh, drops her pen because she's like writing poems, and someone like kind of teased her about it. So she drops her pen and she crawls on the ground to go and get it. And during that time that she's like on the ground, a mysterious force rips through the bus and. That results in each and every one of the girls and women who are aboard, besides our, our protagonist, being graphically sliced in half. Just like the roof is gone, and so are yeah. the roof of the women. <laughs> yeah, their bodies are in half that's now. It. That's it now. Um, and <laughs> then it follows uh, Mitsuko, who is just stumbling her way into this bizarre and surreal experience where you, as viewers, are just constantly asking, like, what is going on? Just like she is. She's completely confused and she stumbles into the next scenario and is like, what? And everyone kind of gaslights her and no one's like, you should see a therapist. Um, and if anyone is feeling like a psychotic break in the same way that Mitsuko did, I really hope that you would get, like, let's get some help. Because odds are you're not in this situation that <laughs> is very absurd that she was in. Um, I think it, like, the film dichotomously, like, never takes itself seriously, but then always does. Like, yeah. it's a big joke. Like, the, the graphic and gore and, like, the over-sexualization, like, all of those are jokes. But then it's also being, like, really serious and it's criticism of it so fan service is like immediately immediately uh relevant and incredibly exaggerated there's like uh a scene where there's like characters laughing like the girls laughing as like the wind is just like blowing up their skirts to real reveal like their pink underwear especially like it kept happening (laughs) and i was like okay what are we doing and that's like that specific fan service is a cliche that happens quite often um in like japanese media where there'll be panty shots and it's actually you know just kind of a trope that happens where there's like characters who are drawn in manga to always have that like angle that happens also in like comic books with superheroes um Mm -hmm. that is pretty problematic uh to the point where like it, uh, Sailor Moon's uh, creator specifically would make it so that they wouldn't have any panty shots. Like, she, they are always, like, covered in that area or, like, she tried to avoid those, <laughs> those things as a statement because fan service was such a problem. Um, but there's also, like, ridiculous scenes like the recurring spontaneous pillow fights. Like, there's a 
like three or four. Um, and so you, it's, it's hard to not realize that it's a joke, uh, that the whole existence of those tropes are exi- uh, is a joke. Um, for anyone who doesn't know fan services, it is a material uh, in a work of fiction or in a fictional series, which is intentionally added to please the audience, which often includes sexual um, nature, such as nudity. Uh, our friends at Beyond the Bot, uh, Crystal, has a video about fan service in anime, if you want to check that out to learn more about what that means, because I will be talking about it a few times. Um, Stone sets out to overindulge in some of horrors and Japanese media's favorite film techniques, which is like gore, mutilation of female bodies, and the over-sexualization of female bodies. Um, I have always been a fan of gore and quite enjoy some of the more absurd films and have often been a little, like, desensitized. Like, I didn't, like, I had a steel stomach around it. Eli Roth was one of my favorite directors growing up for quite a while, and Although recently I did watch just a clip of Hostel and I was like nauseous. <laughs> I was like, why did any of us watch this? <laughs> no one should watch that. Um, but yeah. I digress. Uh, the gore in this film, like the fan service, is comical in how absurd it is. There's a, a scene in which teachers just start shooting teen girls with like militaristic machine guns. Like it, I would say is pretty like when we were watching, I was like, it was pretty traumatic if, it, if like for American students, because that's like. Having yeah. guns in schools School is not is like a fun a thing. time. Is yeah, that's a very delicate subject here in America. But over there, it was just like this absurd thing, like over the top, like you know, battle royale <laughs> insanity of teachers, and they just like are going crazy. It's absurd. Like there's no like way to think this is supposed to be anything but just shock and awe yeah. of like what is happening. Um, and I think the direction taken with the gore and violence is comical uh whereas horror can often abuse female bodies to be like edgy and serious like i'm looking at you last house on the left and quite a lot of the other ones uh this film leans more towards like evil dead and like gushing of blood and absurd scenarios it even like borrows that like sneaking camera technique from evil dead uh to show like the incoming evil winds that's like slicing these girls in half and like throughout like it's always kind of following that's an evil dead cliche i was just watching ash versus the evil dead and we were talking about how the camera's always like you know sneaking up on them and going through and it's like really fast like it's literally that and while i absolutely understand and can clearly see the intent in the film's third act which reveals the thesis statement uh that really leaves no room for guessing i still like was questioning at what point we consider it less a critique and instead just another film contributing to the problem because it like just by having the fan service and the gratuitous violence against women, you're still another film that has those things, <laughs> like even if yeah. you are being a critical of it. But I think um, when I was watching it, I was thinking of uh, Hideaki Anno's Neon Genesis Evangelion film, which was a direct rebuke and commentary about the fans who thought they owned a specific ending uh, and how he used the over-sexualization uh, and incredibly uncomfortable scenes with women, you know, like, Misato kissing Shinji, uh, which was super uncomfortable, as a way to reflect mm-hmm. the disgusting expectations and desires of the anime fan base. So I think Sono is is doing that as well. And I don't know, Kat, if you're going to disagree with me on that, but I also think that this film can be seen as a feminist film. And I totally understand the critiques as we felt it strongly in Invisible Man and that we question 
the validity of the film's message when it is created by men to be feminist. But we've also, on the contrary, seen films, uh, what happens when a film made by women can still be catered to the male gaze and flop yeah. with Jennifer's body. Um, and I think that Sono's thoughts are really obvious and intentional, which to me it is like the same thing with like Invisible Man. There was a lot of praise we had for like, he was trying to be intentional about it. It just like could have been stronger if we like we just had a little more women involved or just like yeah. you pass the torch over. Um, but I do think like there's a strength that can be found in this film. In an article I found on Synapse or Kat found on Synapse uh, titled Fantasia Fest 2015, Scion Sono plays a righteous game, riotous game of tag with schoolgirls. Things get weird by James Carey. Uh, there is a discussion of the lack of men being represented, and when they are in the film, they are seen in a disgustingly negative light. Uh, Sono is not kind to men in this film, uh, and Carey goes to say, heading an almost exclusively female cast, Raina Trendle delivers a great central performance as the perpetually pursued Mitsuko, scared out of her wits as her world crumbles around her, yet strong enough to keep surviving against psychotic authority figures, a scary wind, and men. Well, whilst deliberately few and far between in the cast list, men don't come out of this tale particularly well, invariably portrayed either as sexual deviants, deranged control freaks, or quite literally, pigs. Um, And that is true that these girls are powerful as much as they are victimized by the fan service wins um they embrace Mm -hmm. their sexuality they use language that's unfit for like a young respectable woman like they're the rebellious type um and eventually they kick butt (laughs) like some Mm -hmm. of them are like honestly kicking butt uh and my reason for choosing this film for this series was because it was so often tagged get it (laughs) uh as a feminist film like it when you kind of look up feminist horror, this kind of comes up quite often. And with the character Sir, um, who's titled that because she's surreal, uh, we get to question our reality and find the power to push back. Uh, She tells our heroine that the only way to break free from fate is by an act of surprising daring. Uh, And it's like those characters are super strong and individual Mm -hmm. and their own. um, And, also, like, in, very strong in their sexuality. There's even discussion about virginity um, and, and sexual endeavors, like, offhandedly by some groups of girls talking where they're, like, teasing each other. There's, like, all their skirts are too high. But there's also this idea of, like, that they did that. Um, <laughs> and, it, like, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to kind of pick and choose which ones are that. But I do really feel like the the girls were the ones who give are given names and are given personalities, uh, really were individual and powerful in their own right. Yeah, Carrie I agree. Goes, uh, thanks. Uh, Carrie goes on in the article to say, suffice to say, things are not what they seem, and accusations of misogyny are, are quashed as the refreshingly weird and unpredictable narrative flirts with big philosophical ideas, as much as it revels in the violent deaths of adolescent schoolgirls. Um, which is true. <laughs> it does that. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to say we're going to go into spoiler town because we'll talk about what kind of some of the twists that are going to happen. So if you want to definitely check it out. We watched it for free. Like I had commercials, but we watched it for free. So you should definitely Mm -hmm. try it out. Um, And 
it's super gory and like I said it's a lot of violence against women so if that's like a trigger definitely avoid it like you could just listen to this <laughs> know what it's about um but I if you kind of just like campy horror um and to be perplexed for an entire film and be like what are you doing you never know what's coming like until yeah. I tell you what's happening, you you would never have seen this coming. Uh, so I highly recommend just to just for an experience. To be it's honest, it's definitely like yeah, a ride. <laughs> like you're like what? And, and there's a decent amount of body horror if you like body horror. Um, in terms of like as it keeps going, there are really gross things that are done with the human body that are just like wow. Oof, yeah, there's a scene that wow. I was like. <laughs> little matrixy it's it's doing a lot it's doing a lot yeah um, it's red and blue i don't wire. not recommend it i think it was fun um i think i just personally had a hard time watching it in certain parts just because it was very violent but i still recommend it it was ridiculous and like a good time yes yeah definitely recommend and it's especially like stop here if you don't want to be spoiled because you want to have that same like surprise element because you've re- like i said you won't know what's going on yeah. <laughs> so definitely like, all sorts of directions <laughs> Pause here, watch it, and then come back and then listen to me kind of try to piece it together what was going on. Uh, So in Act 2, we transition from girls running and being traumatized to women straight up murdering other women. (laughs) So, like, we had Mitsuko, who was, like, all her friends or not friends, schoolmates, died on this bus. Then she ran and ended up with her friends at this other school where they're, like, you know, going on their own adventures for a minute. And then they're all shot brutally in this, like, really triggering for American audiences uh, school shooting situation uh, by their Matrix teachers because now they're in, like, Matrix outfits. Or does that happen Mm -hmm. later, that they're in the Matrix? Matrix is later. There's also, like, a red and blue color situation that uh was very matrixy obviously i don't this came out after the matrix but also it's like i don't think the idea is so unique that like you know (laughs) i think they could have come up with it themselves like it just doesn't have to come from the matrix but it was definitely from our lens of having seen the matrix and then watching this and like oh okay i see what's happening i think it's safe to say because i i mean the camera angle is totally an homage to evil dead there's no way like that's Mm. like a that's a catch you know like that's their thing like his statement is that right yeah and the same thing i think with the red and the blue and the fact that it is this question of like what our reality is and the fact that spoilers it's all a simulation is very much they're in the matrix and so like seeing them again like there's no i think it's totally safe (laughs) to To assume that was probably what the motivation was yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) um so this so after that we get this transition uh where this act changes the flow and expectations of the film and you know keeps the audience confused and curious i was like where are we now what are we doing and it also (laughs) amped up like the fear because it was like really confusing um kind of like twin peaks like what is real everyone is kind of brushing off some of the intensity of situations um yeah and And like body switching like you're just a different person now it's confusing so at this point, Mitsuko, uh, Mitsuko is now a woman named Kiko, uh, who is about to get married. Uh, and her groom is later revealed to be a man with a pig head. So it's not very subtle. <laughs> um, yeah. But she is stressed as usual because she's put into the situation. And she's ushered into the chapel and is, like, forced to get ready to marry a man. Which, mind you, up in, like, in this entire film, we have not seen a single one. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, like, 
in the school it said like girls school so i was like that's fine but when we came we became kiko and we're like running through the the city like this town i was like there is not a single man on the street like it was all women Mm -hmm. there was like women dressed up for the like to go out there was women who were working like it was like just when i was like there is only ladies here and i even checked to cat i was like what's going on and it was like a woman police officer um so it's kind of amps up the stress too because you're like who is that like we haven't seen a man who would that be um and in amidst of all this stress she finds comfort in seeing her best friend aki uh who i was hoping when we heard she was getting married that that's who she was gonna marry uh and i will talk on the queer ideas later um but i was like oh she's gonna marry aki and then was like no she's just like her her bridesmaid or whatever and i was like no uh, <laughs> disagree. Uh, but Aki then explains that she knows more than she previously allowed on about what's happening and instructs Mitsuko slash Kiko to murder all the women. And then she shows her how by just, like, breaking people in half. Just, like, yeah. snapping them. <laughs> in this, like, absurd way. And what what follows is, like, equally absurd action scenes of Kiko and Aki tag-teaming and breaking, butchering and murdering women in the chapel. Like, just, what are you doing? Uh, It's really obscene. And that's when we see, we get that introduction to the teachers coming back, and now they're all matrixy. They're, like, in their whole, like, they look like Trinity, like, in the leather. Mm -hmm. And still got guns, for some reason. In Act 3, Mitsuko becomes Izumi, who is a star track runner, who is encouraged by her friends to, like, push forward in this marathon ship that she's running. Uh, and she runs from the would-be assassins of the Matrixy teachers um, and her pig-headed group. And during this act, we're told that the women are caught in an internal murder loop because Mitsuko won't die. Because she keeps living, they have to go to a new scenario where they have to keep dying horrifically. Um, Mm -hmm. And later, our beloved Aki tells her that she has to kill, that Mitsuko has to kill Aki in order to escape. And that's where we see the red and the blue wires, um, which Mm -hmm. is, like, out of all the scenes, that one, I closed my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. That one, I closed my eyes for. That was was some Cronenbergian stuff. (laughs) And it was so long. It didn't need to last as long as it did. And then, like, what did you say, Kat? You were like, she could just just move over so I could see the door (laughs) behind you. Why did I have to do that? Um, So it is the red and the blue, and she has to do that in order to unlock uh, the door that would lead her out of what is revealed to be a simulation because she ends up in literally titled Man's World, which is this gloomy, icky, disgusting world where men have been watching and enjoying in their disgusting men way the violence and fan service of the film so far. Mm-hmm. This part has the same energy as Hideaki Anno showing clips of a live audience watching Evangelion along with their hateful graffiti in the letters. Like, it's literally like, so not so subtly telling us men are trash and the media yeah. is often for the male gaze. Like, it was literally like this whole time I was doing that, but to tell you that it's trash. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was showing you how, like, this is you. Look at this. It's absurd, right? That was stupid. Yeah, this y'all is stupid are that you like. Get it together. <laughs> Yeah, get it together. You're all trash. Um, so that that part is like, you know, the big reveal and there's like exploration of that. And like the men are all greasy and gross. And she's like, it, things happen. And it's clear like it is made clear that it's been a simulation that she's used as a tool. Like she's literally like 
you are the object for the male gaze in media. We just keep mm-hmm. replicating that, um, d- regardless of how you feel. You are nothing but a tool for this. Um, yeah. Which is like the whole thing. Uh, but now I want to also discuss some of the queer overtones of the film. Uh, because I do feel that Sono had some intention in making Mitsuko queer because of specific scenes. Um, mm-hmm. Like, she is seen as different, and she does get quite bashful around her female classmates. Like, not in the way of, like, I'm just a nervous, like, sweet girl. Like, it's like... Yeah. As, <laughs> as a fellow queer. I was like, no, nah, I get it. Um, but the biggest indicator is her very clear love and affection towards her best friend, Aki, who, in this, like, emotional, sweet, and not subtle scene, tells Mitsuko how much she cares for her. And she says, nobody is as important to me as you. Um, yeah. And I was like, they were roommates, you know? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not friends. You know what it is. Um, yeah. And my heart was like babies and so I uh you know I immediately I was like super excited by that development and just put them into my little ship's box (laughs) it was like Mm -hmm. they're together um and in an article that I really appreciated because it kind of even further expanded that because when that first happened I was like okay and then it got kind of choppy and it lost me as Mm -hmm. regarding like queer representation um, so on Ray's uh, anime blog, there's an article titled Violent Japanese Horror Movie Tag is a Strange Surreal Yuri Metaphor. And Rai goes on to explain their personal feelings towards the represa- representation of the queer identity explored through Mitsuko. And just a brief sidebar here to explain what Yuri means. Um, <laughs> anyone who doesn't know and doesn't read it often, like myself, uh, it is a genre of Japanese media focusing on intimate relationships between female characters. While lesbianism is a commonly associated theme, the genre is also inclusive of works depicting emotional and spiritual relationships between women that are not necessarily romantic or sexual in nature. It's like actually exploring female relationships <laughs> like in mm-hmm. not this two-dimensional way that we often see on screen and not in the shitty bad way that we saw in Jennifer's body. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like it's been a minute. We, we forgot we couldn't <laughs> curse. Forgot we can't do it. Uh Jennifer's body is not your you know fight that. Um because yeah. their relationship's stupid. Uh but in this I would venture that is very eerie. Uh so it can be sexual and it also is just like how beautiful female relations could relationships can be um where it's Mm -hmm. focused specifically on them and not men like that doesn't matter (laughs) um so right explains uh some of the more impactfully queer moments in the film uh the part mentioned that stuck with me because i was honestly struggling to find the meeting in women fighting other women in this really graphic way Mm -hmm. and i was like what is the power here like what do we do what is the point, because I, I was genuinely lost. Like, when she's in the chapel, and her and Aki are, like, just killing ladies. I was like, I understand yeah. you want to kill the dude, the pig, and you want to kill the teachers. But what, and why do the teachers want to kill us? And that's, the teachers want to kill because they want the girls to behave, right? They want to, whatever. Um, yeah, they're a pillar, uh, I'll get into it in my section, but it's basically, like, uh, that they are part of the peace and harmony maintainers of what is expected of normalcy in Japan society. Yes. Which yeah. usually means making like uh, drone humans and not because it's capitalism, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know. We're casual. not people, we're robots. It's fine. No one has emotions <laughs> or actual like feelings as people. But yeah, yeah, that's just like that's my little two cents that I'll get into later. <laughs> Yay, little teaser, little teaser. So mm-hmm. Ray explains in this blog, uh, the next part 
uh, one of the strangest yet most significant scenes in the whole movie, Mitsuko slash Kiko starts walking down the aisle. The room is filled with women cheering for her. Again, only women. There is not a single man in sight. At first, the women seem happy, but then they begin to insult Mitsuko Kiko and start pushing her around. Next, something even stranger happens. The women begin to take off their clothes. In their underwear and bras, the women begin to hit Mitsuko Kiko. It may seem like strange fan service on the surface, but I think it has a deep metaphorical meaning. The women are taunting her. She likes women, she likes the female body, and yet she can never have that kind of relationship. Society won't let her. Which I feel like, yeah, they were being like the, like they were literally like the violent fan service. It was like it turning mm-hmm. violent. Like, here it is, this is what you want, and we are literally the enemy. We are the embodiments of what fan service is, and we are attacking you. Um, and I think that extra layer that Ray brought is super helpful too of like it's also that it's kind of her internalized like fighting of what her desires are um and what society isn't going to let her have so it's it's villainizing her desires right it's it's turning them monstrous so that uh she would be afraid of them and she wouldn't act on them uh and i'll admit i'm fuzzy on what Mitsuko's death means exactly. Uh, Ray offers that her killing of Aki to enter men's world is a representation of her having to kill her feelings towards Aki to confirm, to conform, which I'm sure Kat, you'll talk about kind of that need to conform in your section. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I just feel like Aki wouldn't have asked her to do that when she's been so supportive up until now. Like for that to be the ending felt weird. Like why would those women who were running next to her her supposed friends push her forward if she was supposed to kill her love like it, it went from being super supportive and love yourself and believe in yourself to kill what you love to survive or to exit the matrix um and in the end mitsuko stabs herself in order to avoid sleeping with a man and honestly same you know <laughs> like yeah i was like the, the only way out of this is either you stab him or you stab yourself right um yeah. and there's no and the whole thing is like you're supposed to do something that's like spontaneous right Uh, when she does stab herself, it results in all the other versions of herself stabbing themselves or dying, which breaks the cycle of the girls being murdered for entertainment. But it's like, at what cost? Right? It it really makes me question whether this film would fall into the barrier gaze trope in film, where, you Mm -hmm. know, we kill off our gay characters either to kind of show that that was wrong the whole time or to show that they mean less than our our heterosexual characters or, or what have you. Like, we just kill them off because whatever. They're expendable that way. I know this is, like, more of a statement in her dying, um, but it's, like, is her spontaneous act that the men thought she valued her life more than her love when she didn't? She did value her love enough to prove that by dying for it. And it's like, who really wins there? Or is the yeah. overall message like that no one in this film can profit from the violence and suppression of women? Like, you kill us and now that's it. Like, we killed ourselves. Like, I guess it's giving her the autonomy by making it her mm-hmm. choice. But, like, we should never glorify suicide in any way. Um, yeah. And definitely shouldn't kill off queer characters if that's what you're trying to do. It doesn't, like, I don't... <laughs> I just don't feel like killing yourself is the answer uh, to breaking a cycle of violence. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's very fair. And I know definitely... that's, like, not, like, 
it's definitely not the ant like that it's not she just killed herself equals that like it's supposed to be something bigger but i can't get over that that's what her decision was and that was the spontaneity like i feel like it should like and you know we're always against like murder like we're like revenge is never the answer of the thing but in this case i'm like you should have just stabbed the dude you should stab the old man why are we stabbing ourselves? Anyway, he made the game. Like, why? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so that's where I'm like, the ending kind of like put me back a few steps where I was like, all right, mm-hmm. it's not as uh, feminist as I like it to be. And again, it falls into that trope, uh, which is really problematic because this is 2015. We don't need to be killing our gay protagonists. Yeah. A lot's happening to this film, like a lot. And it's saying a lot, yet not. It's confusing. I feel like there's a lot of ways you can interpret what's happening. But I guess, like, we won't ever really have the answer that I guess we want in that, like, yeah. what, it, what, it, why? What, what is the thing? Uh, I mean, unless we ask. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if we'll have the doing? opportunity. I don't know if we have the, the le- I don't know what the word is. <laughs> the reach we don't have the reach yeah, for that yeah, currently that maybe one day uh, if you got a connection to sona um, please let me know <laughs> yeah but it, it's and saying a lot it's uh, most of my observation of it's, it's a lot a lot is happening a lot is being felt a lot of feelings are at play a lot of things are being played upon the whole thing is a lot and that's <laughs> the consensus that i kind of end. end with yeah is it is it me it's your turn. It's me. Oh, my goodness. So exciting. We're back. Okay. So uh, in my research section, a lot, as I said, a lot was happening in this film. And I read a few articles. That it showed it, like, really resonated with different people. And I read a lot of really impassioned, like, feelings about how different things that happened in the film could be interpreted to be a metaphor for this, for, uh, you know, as a representation of survival and trauma, uh, witnessing like other women face violence or exploitation at the hands of men or at the hands of each other. Cause ultimately at the end of the day, everyone is a victim of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in it's doing a lot, I feel like there are as Gabe said, there are ways that it falls short. There are ways that it's kind of like, is this doing more damage than messaging, I guess. Uh, and there was other ways that people in that, like the different bodies that she was in kind of represented the like survival of women who have faced intense trauma or violence, having to like live in a body where they don't recognize themselves anymore, which Mm. I thought was like really like one heavy, but real. Like that's definitely like, if you've experienced something like that, it is hard to kind of like look at yourself and recognize exactly who you are after like trauma changes you. That's like a thing. You can't ever be who you were before. Um, And there's a lot of elements of like queer women and like metaphors of like what it's like to conform in Japan, which I'll get into a little bit. But at the end of the day, I was really torn on this film because it was fun. It was wacky. There was a scene where, for some reason, an alligator ate a girl's crotch. Like, it oh, was... Oh, I forgot. So much. <laughs> so much violence. And I don't know... For me, it felt gratuitous. And I don't know if that's just, like, I've been through too much. <laughs> like, I, I really, like... I enjoyed it, but there was also many times where I had to, like, be like, all right, this is... yeah. And I honestly, the overt sexualization of girls like children um, Mm -hmm. was also 
pretty like, can we please not? I, I get it. But these better be adult like actresses yeah. that you are making do this. Because if you're just traumatizing more children to prove a point, that's like not what I want to be witnessing currently. Um, but for me, I, yeah, I just had to figure out exactly what was happening. And that was sometimes hard with the gratuitous like violence and gore that was taking place. But I think after doing research, I kind of like see more of the elements that like a lot of people were arguing in favor of, of like what this was representing. Um, and, you know, as voyeuristic and kind of gross as it kind of presented itself on screen, it did have like some, you know, good stuff. Um, and I'll say like Gabe and I were definitely like throughout being like, Ooh, Aki Mitsuko there definitely it was something's happening and then like even like <laughs> kind of like even just coming up on the I remember like a lot of the scenes I was like texting I was like is this trying to say that like marriage is a way of selling women like you know like we were trying mm -hmm. to like really pick up on anything that this film could be putting down because like as we do in the show is we everything has to have a reason to exist nothing is just like put in there for no reason um but I also recognize I watched this film with a very Western lens in that, like, I'm not native to Japan. I have not lived a Japanese experience. Uh, I'm not an expert by any means on what, like, the LGBTQIA or women or femme presenting folk experience is in Japan. Um, and I'd be remiss not to acknowledge, like, the negative ways Western society has influenced the world in pushing patriarchal, patriarchal Judeo-Christian ideals onto, like, other cultures. And that there is, like, historical evidence that Japan was not always, like, as conservative in reference to sex, women, and LGBTQ, LGBTQIA plus people um, prior to Western colonialism. So I have done research, though. Uh, and, you know, the Internet only provides so much perspective to complex issues such as this. But we're going to give it our best go. And honestly, if anyone has had any kind of different experience or they interpreted this film differently, we got, like, a, like, really impassioned viewer who emailed us about our interpretation of what Thelma. was the Velma, Thelma, Thelma. Um, so like sometimes we, people think differently than us and we love to hear about that because it like always lets us see things from a different perspective. So if you want to let us know, send us an email at the ghouls next door at gmail.com. Um, yes. But yeah, some research happened. I read an article titled The Nail That Sticks Out Gets Hammered Down, LGBT Bullying and Exclusion in Japanese Schools. And I will say like this article is like rough in terms of like if you have struggled with LGBT plus identity and you have like I feel like this is something that is not exclusive to Japan. I had no one taught me about LGBTQ stuff when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, etc., um, either, but, uh, mm -hmm. there's a decent amount of like, basically just like ignorance that exists both in the education system, lots of places, but specifically in this article, it's focusing on Japan in regards to like LGBTQIA identity and like how people are seen in a kind of school system that is made in efforts to get students to conform to 
where as you like uniforms in a lot of ways do remove like stigma of class, but they also like make everyone look kind of the same. Um, Mm -hmm. There's lots of like trying to make people fit into a box um, that takes place in lots of school systems. But specifically in the article, it kind of goes on to outline that Japanese LGBT children who attempt to report bullying as a result of this like pressure to conform, uh, that face harassment and stuff in schools the response from the authorities, like the teachers and administration at schools, totally is dependent upon uh, like the school person's personal perspectives on sexual orientation and that there isn't a lot of training or um, legislation even that like protects students who are uh, either gender nonconforming, identify as LGBTQIA plus or anything really. Like they kind of have to remain silent in order to avoid bad things happening to them is what kind of Mm -hmm. like the article lines up. And it says that this is from interviews with 50 students, former students from the 14 prefectures throughout Japan. So it's like a wide variety of people from different places. And it's kind of cool in how it presents it. And there's lots of like comics that represent just like quotes from students who've experienced different things in terms of coming out or like trying to. So for example, there was one that they showed that was like a student wanted to wear a male uniform. um, But the administrator was like, that would go against basically our peace and harmony clause and our school rules. And you have to wear a female uniform. Like you're not allowed to wear a boy's uniform. Um, Just the fact that there's gendered clothing. Rude. Um, Yeah. But yeah, the article goes on to highlight a lot of personal stories, which I really thought like was effective and kind of giving some perspective to something I didn't know much about um, and kind of like how we see in America as well, just like the lack of media representation um, mm-hmm. that kind of forces individuals who might identify either as gender nonconforming or LGBTQIA uh, as like othered, like they don't have lives that are presented in media so that it kind of seems like they don't get to find happiness or like there's nothing to be like I see someone who looks like me and now I feel seen enough to identify as that as well um Mm -hmm. and it also contributes to like the ignorance among peers or teachers or like people who have like grown up in the society already conforming to the system in play um that kind of really pushes heteronormative morals and stuff like that that's just kind of like it's not easy to be queer in japan as it is not easy to be queer a lot of places um but it really made me think of like in terms of relating the information that i got back to the film and trying to like see it through a new lens it makes a little more sense to me as well as like the necessity to destroy that sense of normalcy with over-the-top violence like it definitely lit a fire in that regard and it made me think of the one friend who i don't remember her name but you mentioned her gabe the one that kept like insisting upon not aki but the one who kept insisting i think so sir um insisting upon like doing something unexpected doing something bold to free yourself from this like conformity and from this Mm -hmm. like repeating cycle of this like simulation type life that is just like drones or ants walking in a line, like not kind of having individuality or like um, expressing who they really are. Um, One thing that like also kind of like made me really sad is there was an element to this that was like 
it seemed that the main focus was focusing on like harmony and peace and that that outweighed the needs of like underrepresented students exploring their identities. And then even like those who had come out were often kind of like signaled as like being arrogant or selfish for trying to figure out who they were. Um, and yeah, there was like a, it was a very long article. I do recommend, I did not get to read like every single ounce of it multiple times to really interpret it with, I guess, full media analysis glasses on, but it was a good read. And I like recommend people checking it out. It's a little dated as it's from 2016, but honestly, after doing a quick Google search of like what's happening now, it seemed that like not a ton has changed. There's like been a decent amount of like, especially in regards to like trans rights, uh, Mm. lots of just people not saying good stuff uh, or Mm. like really misunderstanding or misrepresenting what that is kind of how we see in America where it's like people who think that like sports are in danger because of it. It's, it's not, Um, but there's similar feelings in terms of uh, trans identity in Japan as well. Um, There was another article I read in terms of trying to get like, what is it like to be a woman in Japan in a heavily sexist patriarchal society um and i read an article called sexism in japan no why can't sex why can't we shake sexism uh by mariko oi written april 2021 so pretty recently for bbc and mariko outlines some of the issues in japan when it comes to gender equality which i kind of think we see in terms of the really clear message in the film of tag that like women are being exploited or used for the male mm-hmm. gaze, there's heavy patriarchal tones in play. <laughs> um, yeah. And that that is something that like is pretty real in Japan as of April 2021. So the article actually came out days following former Tokyo Olympics boss Yoshiro Mori, who made global headlines for his sexist comments saying women talk too much um, and actually was forced to resign as a student, Momoko Noji, 23 years old which dope young people making change Mm -hmm. in the world. They made a petition and collected over 100,000 signatures, which resulted in him resigning. But one thing that was, like, so, like, spot on and just wild is that that man, 83-year-old man, tried to just replace himself with another, like, 83-year-old man and been like, I said that, but this guy... This 83-year-old man from the same life and demographic as me is totally just going to do better. And then everyone was mad. So they were like, absolutely not, sir. (laughs) This is no longer for you. Um, You do not get to pick your replacement when you did the bad thing. Um, And they elected uh, Seiko Hashimoto, a younger woman and former Olympics minister, for being placed there instead. Um, Well, some people viewed this as a victory Noji, the creator of the petition, said that it was not enough, which I would agree with, because as with any problem within society, it is not just upheld by one thing. Mm -hmm. There's like this argument, cut off the head. You can't cut off the head when a lot of people under the head are also doing the limbs are also doing the things independent of the head um, or, or putting the head back on the body. So companies criticized Mr. Mori's comments, but some of them have less than 1% female board members and you know that needs to change it kind of reflects the fact that it's performative um mm-hmm. in that like they they disagree with it so that you'll still buy their products um but they're not actually going to change the infrastructure of their companies um 
And it kept going that Risa Kimio, an elected member of the Setayaga City Council in Tokyo, agreed with Noji saying that, which is one of my favorite quotes now of all time. To me, Mr. Mori was only the tip of the iceberg. It was like a whack-a-mole game. People criticized him because he came out to be whacked, but there are many other moles. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, when you're relating this back to the film, I like definitely get why I guess there was a lot of gratuitous violence, but I get kind of like the energy behind it and that like, it seems like it's not being talked about in a lot of circles in men's world, essentially. If we're looking mm. at Japan as men's world, lots of people want to watch the fun game. They don't want to change it. It's benefiting them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you kind of need to be bold and outside of the norm when you're talking about these things to get attention for these issues. So like in that regard, I was like, okay, I see. Yes. Okay. Did it still feel like a lot to me? Yes. Um, But I kind of like after doing some like context filling in, Mm kind of get it. You know, it seemed somewhat necessary to be bold in your statement. So, I, you know, doing it. It's something to something to say to like use that tool and like turn it on the Mm -hmm. audience too. So like there's you know, some creativity with that of, like, using it as a way to criticize the audience that usually, you know, partakes in that kind of media, Um, which I'm always here for, like, when um, horror kind of subverts those uh, tropes and narratives to, like, actually educate you (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of just be like, look at us murder ladies for fun. Um, It's like, look how stupid it is when we just murder ladies for fun, like, without... yeah. Or I guess if, like, if you're thinking of, like, who it's for, Mm -hmm. if he's trying to change the opinions of other men, would this film do that? I don't know. Mm. But it is kind of, like, on the nose in calling out the disgustingness of it. So, like, maybe. Like, if we're looking at this, like, this film was not made for, like, other women to realize that men suck. That that's happening. Like, that Mm -hmm. that's happening. Um, And it's instead, like, for other men to see how gross they are. I don't know. But also, obviously, like, this is very surface level. I did, like, some research. This is obviously not, like, the end-all be-all of what feminism or LGBTQI plus identity is in Japan. But some sources for you. Um, I recommend checking them out yourself if you wish to. Um, And doing additional research because that's the only way we're going to know things and fix them. Yeah. And I would say, like, it would benefit for us to even watch other uh, Sono films because uh, mm-hmm. he is known for, like, his graphic and crazy films of, like, you know, mind twists. And so it would be interesting to see what other statements he's making outside mm-hmm. of just this one. Um, yeah. And I also, because I was also thinking, like, back to, like, Tarantino in, you know, Kill Bill. It's like, I wouldn't argue that Kill Bill is a feminist film, despite having, like, strong female characters and gratuitous violence. I would never say any Tarantino film is feminist. Yeah. <laughs> if any is more exploitative, if, if anything. Uh, and so I think that's also kind of funny to use some of these things uh, that would otherwise not be seen as feminist. And I don't know if I would say Evil Dead was feminist either at all. I think yeah. Ash versus the Evil Dead makes some steps in the right direction with women characters, but I don't know if the original Evil Deads were that. Because women were expendable in them. So using some of those, like, callbacks 
is that. Same thing with Matrix. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we did talk about the trans identity, but that's also like a retrospective kind of look after, you know, the Mikowski siblings, uh, you know, making that decision later. Yeah. Like it, who, who knows how much of it was influenced then. Um, I will say one thing that I was thinking and I want to say before we kind of close out is the with the wedding scene and how mm-hmm. you were saying it could be this like commentary on how you are selling your, you know, women are pretty much being exchanged from one hand of a man to another hand of a man. So like from Mm -hmm. your father to your husband, you are a piece of property. Um, That the the music video and the song by Kimbra, uh, Settle Down, is also commentary on that exact thing of like this whole idea of like conforming to the expectations that you get married and you fulfill this role and that's what's expected of you as women and like how toxic it is because it's like a young girl who's going through those acts and I remember reading articles of people being kind of upset because it's a young girl doing like doing the roles and portraying that song but it's her saying like we have been conditioned since youth to believe that's the answer uh Mm -hmm. and it isn't um or that's what I interpreted Kimbra saying (laughs) so Kimbra if you're out there and you're hearing us uh I'll play the you know the music video is fun uh definitely check it out watch it because it's also the song is great I really love her Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been our first episode of the Good Ghouls Gone Bad series. Uh, next week, we will have another guest on live. So be sure to check that out Monday We're night, doing it. 7 p.m. Uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. If we can work all those Figure things out, out yeah. <laughs> into my uh, software. And then after that, we'll have another deep dive into a film. And we'll continue that on for the next few months of Good Ghouls Gone of time. Bad. Please let us know if you have any thoughts about what we talked about today. If you have seen it, make sure you do. If you can stomach it, <laughs> if yeah. you're okay with gore. Um, and definitely shoot us an email at thegoalsnextdoor at gmail.com because we love feedback. Again, if you're like, actually, this movie is trash or, oh, you're wrong. It's not feminism or it is more feminist than you even thought. I would love to hear it. Any of those are good. Yeah. Just make sure it's constructive it's not like that was trash and i'd be like okay why <laughs> like how words? do we fix trash i we it's i need <laughs> yeah. more yeah. yeah but like also continue to look at media critically look at it understand what it's trying to say you're not always going to get it right we don't always get it right sometimes we think it's saying one thing and it's not and also like who's to say who's yeah it's interpretation. the person who's writing the film to say it i don't know Sometimes they don't even know. Sometimes they make it up afterwards. Or they don't know what happened. (laughs) Yeah, or they don't know what, like, the impact would be, you know? Yeah, it's like... their intent was different. It's doing a lot. And, you know, who knows what this guy was trying to say with this film. But we tried. Yeah. We did it. It's like how Babadook became a queer icon. No Mm -hmm. one saw that coming. (laughs) You never know. You never know. Um, Awesome. So, yes, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us some love and attention on the internet. We have TikToks going now, so you can follow us there as well. And Twitch. We are twitching like uh, pretty regularly now. So make sure you're following us on Twitch and play games with us. Um, You can watch me murder vampire mommy and then be sad. But then also be so scared of everything else that's after that because no one warmed me and I will never forgive the world for not warning me of how freaking scary this game is. Just saying. (laughs) But come hang out every Thursday, 5 p.m. Yes, Eastern. Uh, Yes. So with that being said, don't get married. They'll eat your kids. Oh, it's so nice to say that again. I hope you're happy that we're back. Yeah, me too. (laughs) We're happy to be back. (laughs) 
We love you. Yeah. All right. Well, do it stuff. Bye.